You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramilla, credential reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. The score was tied at 73 with seven and a half minutes left in the game. And the Heat were at a pivotal point in Tuesday's rematch against the Atlanta Hawks. But Miami would be held scoreless through the next five minutes of play. And Trey Young, who had been struggling all game and was seemingly benched for a long stretch in the second half, suddenly came back when Miami was able to build some serious momentum. He would score 11 points in the midst of a 13-1 Atlanta run that just sapped Miami's energy completely. And Miami's six-game win streak came to an end with a 94-80 to loss to the Hawks. Miami was outscored 31-14 to in the fourth quarter and just fell apart in a pivotal moment. They were playing without Jimmy Butler. He was missing his second straight game with knee soreness, and that was pretty obvious how much he was necessary out there because not only was Miami's offense downright hideous in the first half, but even after the Heat were able to get something going, that's when you need a player like Butler who can slow the game down, come up with a big play defensively, draw a foul, do something, and nobody on Miami's roster was able to do any of that tonight. I'm not exactly surprised. Uh, the late collapse did seem pretty da- drastic and probably will send a lot of Heat fans reeling. It was an ugly loss just because, again, they were so close for most of the game, at least able to contend, hold their own to some degree, and even tie it, take back a lead, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is more like the team that we've seen over the last six wins. And then they just fell apart so badly. And for Young to come in after he had been effectively shut down for seven quarters out of eight games, eight quarters that they played over the last two games. So I think there is a little disheartening among Heat fans and Heat Twitter right now. So it's pretty understandable. But I wasn't really surprised. There were definite factors in Atlanta's favor. They were welcoming back Bogdan Bogdanovich into the lineup. He wasn't a huge factor, just five points. But the threat of his shooting further exerted a heat defense that was in constant motion without Jimmy's strong perimeter defense, or especially with his ability to force turnovers that lead to transition points. There were so many opportunities there where Miami just seemed like they were... It was beautiful defense to a, a certain extent, at least from an aesthetic perspective. You're watching them, and it's like the the classic cliche of five on a string. They're all playing well. They're connected. There was communication there. You could see it. There were certain plays there where they were just calling out... You rotate, you switch, you go there, and they were moving so well so that it didn't matter if there were necessarily matchups like, you know, Goran Dragic handling John Collins in the low post or Duncan Robinson fronting Clint Capella. Those things were really effective because they were still contesting shots and they were moving so well, but that constant motion was probably a big part of why Miami's energy just seemed to dwindle late in the game. After Young hit those big shots, Miami probably just faced... You know they they had to look in the mirror and say, we can't contend with this. We just we've done so much, we've done enough, and we can't match this level of production so quickly. And so that was ultimately what sounded the death knell for them. The Hawks also fired head coach Lloyd Pierce in between games. You heard it in my last uh, podcast with Nikaias Duncan. They hired Nate McMillan to take over the team. There's always a new coach bump especially for a team that's invested so much this offseason in building a playoff contending team. They're a prideful team. They're competing for a lot like Young is uh, 
ersatz all-star uh, to some degree. You know, you can question the validity of his numbers and overall impact and win-loss and everything else, but he is a potent scorer on occasion, especially you saw that tonight against the Hawk, against the Heat, rather, where, you know, shut down for long stretches and then able to ignite so quickly. And range didn't seem to matter, or whoever was on him didn't seem to matter. He lit up three different defenders in a two-and-a-half-minute stretch there. So he was a, a big part of what propelled the Hawks team when they were looking for a spark of their own. They didn't seem to have anybody willing to take over or capable of taking over because Young was struggling. Collins had been held uh, to just 17 points. Kevin Herter wound up having a pretty solid game. Clint Capella had a big game, especially on the boards, and that probably took a lot of Bam's energy as well. The loss drops Miami to 7th in the Eastern Conference standings. Not that it really matters with uh, things moving so quickly, so constantly. They're in flux during the season. I pointed out now just because it was a positive for them after their last win to get back to 500 and get to the 5th seed, but I won't really start watching the standings until about the 50-something game mark. They've played 35 so far. They're at 17-18. and 18. They'll face an improving New Orleans Pelicans team on Thursday on a nationally televised game that should be a really tough challenge for the Heat. They could go back to being two games under 500 as they enter the All-Star break, especially if Jimmy continues to sit out, and I do expect that to be the case. So we're going to have to see a much better performance from Miami against the Pelicans. And I'll look, the Pelicans, Bam is going to match up against Zion Williamson. If he had to exert himself trying to limit Capella and to try to keep John Collins off the boards, oh, he's going to get roasted by Zion Williams, who seems to have been taking – a significant leap of late. He's been a very improved player offensively. He's showing a lot of that burst and athleticism. Not that it really ever was you know, sapped or gone, but he's just showing a little bit more consistency in that ability to tie it all together. He gets to the rim so easily against anybody and so quickly that he's able to just finish at an incredibly high level and not just dunks. You know, He's known for his thunderous dunks and things of that sort, but he can also just put up ridiculous shot and his second jump off the bounce there when he collects that rebound other defenders even teammates are left flat-footed as he goes up for that second you know chance opportunity and he'll usually finish even in traffic because of his combination of size and speed and overall athleticism and everything else so Miami not a great matchup for them I know they beat New Orleans already on the Christmas Day matchup where they had Jimmy Butler for at least a half if they don't have Jimmy for any of this period, uh, or any time period at all on Thursday, it, it could be an easy loss for the team. I, I hate you know, throwing that out there to add salt to a wound, especially on a night when Miami has already struggled and they already lost to the Hawks. I just wouldn't count on a win. I wouldn't count on a bounce back against the, the Pelicans because, again, without Jimmy, he's so much of their – emotional stability is, is tied together with his willpower, with his just self-contained power to guide this team. Uh, I, I don't think the Hawks game was with a bad loss, really. It could eventually hurt them in the playoff race, but Miami will have plenty of time to control their own destiny. This shouldn't be the game that defines them in any way. They mostly played well, to be honest. They did a nice job defensively. Again, they, they limited Young. They kept John Collins to a, a reasonable score. Um, I think... I don't even give the Hawks much of the credit for the loss. The Heat shot just 75 field goals below their average of over 83 attempts per game. They, they're dead last in that category anyway, and they somehow got worse. You could attribute some of that to Capella. His presence as a rim protector disrupted a lot of shots, and players were somewhat apprehensive in trying to get a shot off over him. 
But the Heat also shot the ball really bad, especially from three-point range. They were 9 of 33 from three-point range, just 27%. Kendrick Nunn had his regression game after everyone was talking up his recent strong performances, including me. He was 0 for 4 from three-point range. Kelly Olenek, again, the punch, punching bag of Heat Twitter, 0 for 2. Andre Iguodala, 0 for 2. Gabe Vincent, 1 for 5. The Dragon, Goran Dragic, who had played so well, 0 for 1. That's a combined 1 of 14, and many of those were fairly open looks. Was it fatigue? Was it something else? I think the Hawks contested heat shooters, but I still think at least some of those should have fallen for Miami, and that would have been the huge difference right there. It would have been at least a close game, perhaps even a Miami victory. So you can't, at least I don't, give Atlanta that much credit for I think a lot of that fell on Miami, although you could tie together that Miami's defense exerted everybody on that roster so completely that they just didn't have anything left offensively. I don't know if that's the case. It's something that I've been getting at with this team uh, is that without Jimmy in the lineup, you're counting on everyone to step up simultaneously and you don't have the luxury of having that other superstar set up to bail you out. So what does that say about Bam and Abayo? I'll talk about Bam's struggles on a night when Miami needed him to be a superstar and he didn't deliver here on the number one Miami Heat podcast for the latest news rumors, and more. March is National Sleep Month, and as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine, and there's nothing more calming than a nice hot bath. CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eucalyptus scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. Well, CBD bath bombs provide a refreshing, relaxing bath experience by combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salt, and calming natural scents to help you soak away the day. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA. You get 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. I can cover everything you need to know about the heat, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well. We have Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today Podcast wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, I feel like this is piling up somewhat. I, I can't help myself. I've been uh, I, I've been so positive about this team for most of the season, even when they were really struggling. That on a night when it was almost it almost felt like a scheduled loss somehow to add to some of the already pretty deep grievances against this team by pointing out that Bam really struggled feels a little unfair. I will say that watching this team play and something I was hinting at before in the first segment was without Jimmy, you don't have that other quote unquote star to carry you. And it felt in watching this a lot like the 2016 to 2018 teams. I don't know how well you remember those. Anybody listening to this show probably was watching those games. If you put up with 41 and 41 and even the subsequent season where Dwayne wound up coming back and, and having a significant impact here. Part of the problem with those teams was that you were always counting on somebody to have at least 
what they their minimum was. Like Kelly Olynyk was going to give you ten points. Tyler Johnson was going to give you twelve to fifteen. Josh Richardson fifteen to eighteen. Justice Winslow, so on and so forth. Hassan, that if any one of those players had a bad game, none of the others were capable of stepping up. Again, that that was the case. Like Goran Dragic, for all of his great strengths during his six year tenure, never a guy who was prone to put up 30, 35 plus, even a strong 28 on a night that were, you know, those 28 points, 27 points, whatever Jimmy can score when he has his quote unquote big games, those are game altering points because they get at the line, because he gets them by drawing fouls, by slowing the game down. They are, I've mentioned this before, it's been a while since I bring it up, but I'll never forget a quote from Shaquille O'Neal talking about Eddie Jones, that he was just a quiet 25-point game, points-per-game score. And I never realized it at the time watching Eddie because, you know, he, he had he wasn't quite a star, but he was always a solid player and, you know, a solid player here in Miami too. But if you recall, he was the leading scorer in a team that just never went anywhere because those points always felt they didn't have impact. And I don't know. There might be even some kind of analytics or some way of quantifying impact of when these points change the course of a game. But I felt like those 2016-18 teams always had that. Gorn was like that. Like those those points that he was scoring along with Tyler's and everybody else just never really swung a game. They were just doing enough to tread water. And that's kind of the effort that you got tonight from from everybody on this roster including Goran and including Bam Adebayo. And that's unfortunate because he only scored 11 points. Three of eight shooting. Again, Capella, fantastic individual defender. Very physical. Both of them throwing elbows. You could see this on a number of replays where Bam would get rocked across the jaw and then he delivered to Capella as well. Two big physical presences in the paint, jockeying for position. And Capella... Much like Adebayo, the speed and strength to contend and challenge shots and things of that sort. That Adebayo is quicker and capable of limiting guards on the perimeter, that's fine. Capella also a better shot blocker. But Bam just didn't seem to have a way of getting good looks. And even when he did, that jumper that was so good a month ago just wasn't falling either. So he, he missed a couple shots at the rim. Um, you know, not normal for him. Goron missed a couple shots at the rim. He finished 5 of 11 overall. Kendrick Nunn, 3 of 12, missing some shots at the rim. Those were the shots that they were making over the six-game road trip. I mean, sorry, win streak. I keep making that mistake. But Bam, in particular, just needed to do more. You, you just want him to find a way to muster some kind of next level. And he was, on a, somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter, and I had seen it before. I didn't know if I should put any stock in it. He was limping through a lot of the game. Maybe he rolled his ankle. Maybe he was just challenged so much by Capella that that took away a lot of his energy. I the It's a hard discussion to have. I, I think ultimately Bam isn't that kind of superstar. He's going to do so many of the other things that don't pop up in a box score and he's great at those and I don't think that you'll have a bigger supporter of what Bam does than than I am 
And yet, on a night like tonight, the approach has to change a little bit. He has to recognize there's a need for something more, something greater than just doing all the other little things. Sometimes you need to step up and do the big things and let somebody else take care of the little things, especially when you've got Kelly Olenek out there. Like I'll say Olenek continues to get beat up, perhaps rightfully so. He shot 0 for 2 from three-point range. Didn't play in the fourth quarter when I think he actually could have been a contributing factor there. He wound up being their leading rebounder as Capella was killing them on the boards with 17 rebounds. Kelly Olenek at least had six. Bam Adebayo only had two, and I think that was partly by design as he's out on the perimeter so much of that switching defense. I get it. But at least Olenek was a big body. They didn't have anybody else. Precious Achua had four rebounds. Andre Iguodala had three. That's not sustainable. Tyler Hero had five. You know, you're trying so much to limit what Capella can do. You're, you're boxing him out. You have two guys trying to box him out. He was still able to pull down rebounds over that. And then you have a guard come in off the perimeter once they sag off their assignment to pull down a rebound. That's all fine. It's just not, you know, it's just not good offense or defense. It's not going to lead to any kind of quality play from this team. I don't know. The BAM issue is a tough one. I, I don't think that... I think he needed to do something a little differently and it's just hard for him to kind of take a, not necessarily a step back, but not take a step forward. And the counterpoint to all this is, well, he was doing such a tough job. He had such a difficult job trying to challenge Capella that it didn't leave him a lot of energy to overexert himself offensively. That's a fair point. I don't know if I necessarily buy it. I, I feel like Bam has to and is capable of doing more and he just didn't do it tonight the loss is on him and that's fair like I I don't blame him for most of the season's losses I think he did everything possible he was putting up some great numbers I think it's just difficult for him to try and find a way to sometimes play better than he does and so look if he does play Thursday and he's not hurt hopefully he'll have a bounce back game and that might go a long way to proving that he is willing to accept the challenges of becoming a superstar. Look, and all this criticism notwithstanding, that's not to say that he won't eventually get to this point. He just hasn't shown it very consistently. Those games against Brooklyn were a fluke. And we're all kind of figuring it, thinking about that first game where he was monstrously good and then tapered off a little bit in the second one. But they were an aberration. They were not the norm for him. And I, I just, you kind of wish they would be. But you know who else deserves a little bit of the blame, perhaps? Eric Spolstra. I don't want to pick on Spo all that much, but I feel like, again, like Bam, there was more that he could have done. And I'll talk about that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. The one thing you could have counted on, even a bad loss like this, is Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. 18 amazing flavors, six new ones, and 12 classic flavors, all of them so good, all of them covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they are. They're healthy. They're great for health-conscious people. If you're looking to indulge in a delicious treat, Built Bars are the ones for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, everything you need from new, all the nutrients you could possibly be looking for. And best of all, if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON20, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's a new promo code, so make sure you use LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And while you're there, you might as well place a bet at the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's bet online. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And bet online even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV. If you wanted to bet on the Golden Globes, 
that's the place to do it. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device now to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget that you use the promo code LOCKEDON. March Madness is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on this year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of Gabe Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. You know, that's such a great resource, thinking about it, because, you know, for somebody like me who does not devote as much time as I probably should, but really can't, to watching college basketball, a great resource like this just helps me stay informed about these players. And you know there's always going to be players that fall through the cracks a little bit. And, you know, somebody that you might not expect. Yeah, you hear all about the superstar names like Kate Cunningham. That's a, that's a name that's going to stand out. He's the first overall pick, more than likely. And as such... You're gonna you're gonna wait to see his overall impact, and you know what you know everything that you possibly can about his game, and it's just a matter of whether or not it translates. Kind of like Anthony Edwards over in Minnesota, but aside from that, you want to read about the tweeners, guys like you know Tyrese Maxey in Philadelphia, or Precious Achua in Miami, or Emmanuel Quickly in New York. I thought pretty highly of Quickly. I thought he was a nice fit for Miami. I remember doing the mock draft here for the network. And he was one of the names that I was looking at, not just as he, not just as a Kentucky guy, but as a three-point shooter, solid defender, a guy who has that potential to fit what Miami was looking for from the guard position. That they've been getting it somewhat from Avery Bradley and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. That's fine, but uh, perhaps more better to have looked into a guard for the future. Although Achua, fine play, showing con- consistent effort, just a great motor from him. And I think he'll wind up being a pretty solid player. But tonight's not about the draft. It's not even about Precious Achua. He was okay, unspectacular, as was everybody else. And that's part of the problem, too, is because when I look at this kind of effort, similarly to what Bam needed to do, or at least my point about what Bam was capable of and should have done, you know, a little bit more. As far as aggression, as far as not necessarily trying to do the little things, but going after the big things. Another guy who could have swung, and even if he had missed, I would have at least been happy with the effort, is Eric Spolstra. Maybe you don't have a lot of options on this roster. I get it. But tonight's not the night you could have gone to Casey Okpala. Tonight's not the night where maybe Max Struess catches fire in that second half and gives you a little bit something extra. You know, you're going to Andre Guadala, and I think we talked about this uh, in our recent podcast when you're, you know, you're relying on Iguodala and that's just not sustainable. Like you're counting on him to come up with big shots because he's done it. And defensively, he continues to show effort. But he was a minus 15 tonight out there on the floor. Tyler Hero was a minus 18. He wound up scoring nine points. But he also shot 25% from the field. Not great, Bob. And, and there aren't a lot of options. I give you that. But Gabe Vincent can't play more than 18 minutes. Max can't play more than six minutes. You can't throw in Chris Silva in there to try and just 
elbow his way into Capella? I mean, he could probably do something to keep that big body off the boards. Maybe not everybody is as much of a fan of Silva as I am, but I feel like there's a place for that kind of effort, that physicality. And he's healthy. KZ Opala could have gone some playing time too. Just throw somebody different out there. Try something different. And this is the knock on Spo and has been historically throughout his tenure in Miami is that the version of him that we saw in the Orlando bubble was phenomenal. And a big part of that was he was the anti-Budenholzer. He was the guy willing to take chances. He puts Jake Crowder in there. He takes Myers Leonard completely out. Unplayable. Kendrick Nunn, gone. And it worked out. They went to the damn NBA Finals. Take a chance every once in a while. You've got to be, you've got to take a chance. You've got to be different. Otherwise, you become stagnant, predictable. And these are the things that Spo hates, constantly wanting to change. That sometimes, I forget exactly how he phrases, but he always is, he's a big fan of the the, the chaos energy that comes with change because it's it forms, it forces you into a catalyst of some kind to, to break apart in order for you to rebuild better than before. It ties into all the militaristic precepts that defined his franchise so much, but for Spo, just go try something a little different because you never know if you're going to get that burst. If not, well, what's the difference? You're getting blown out anyway. Somebody could have gone in there a little bit sooner and just thrown the axis off to some degree in Miami's favor. And I know you're you're taking a chance. It's a risk. What's the issue? Goran Dragic is st- struggling. Bam Adebayo is struggling. Kendrick Nunn's, he's been your X factor over the last few weeks. He's off too. You played him 36 minutes more than anybody else. He gave you six points. Six points. Even the playmaking that I thought had turned a corner, one assist. Three steals. Solid defense. Again, improvement i don't want to bag on him this isn't about kendrick this is about everybody they all struggled to some degree here offensively in particular defensively they did a great job they held the suns i'm sorry they held the hawks to 71 field goal attempts that's well below their total effort and maybe they controlled the pace the heat did but they still weren't able to capitalize offensively that's not on anybody other than themselves and to eric spolstra for not recognizing that maybe something was necessary, that something different could have forced this team, maybe awoken them from their slumber. I'll say this about Nick McMillan, whether it was unintentional or not, at least this is how it was being talked about in the broadcast. And I didn't stick around for McMillan's press conference, so I don't know if he confirmed this or not. But he benched Trey Young's ass in the middle of a tight game here. Hey, you're my young superstar, right? My young all-star? Maybe you're a little frail mentally. Well, guess what? Sit down. You can think about it on the bench. And what did Young do? He came back and scored 11 points in a pivotal run. I don't know if that's just what Trey Young needs. I don't know if that's just it, lightning in a bottle. I don't know if it's something sustainable. I don't know if it's going to happen again. McMillan, by all accounts, is a pretty solid coach, and I think he got screwed out in Indiana. I think he got screwed before that in Portland, too. None of... None of his failings have hurt the team. He just hasn't been able to take them to the next level, the championship level. But he's always gone all of his teams into the playoffs. He's a good coach. You can't have that kind of sustained success if you're not. Now we're starting to find out more about the issues between Lloyd Pierce and Trey Young that potentially on a conference call to 
uh, with coaches that Lloyd Pierce may have criticized Trey Young's manipulation of the rules to draw fouls and hates the kind of shots that Young takes. I, I don't blame him. They're risky. I guess Pierce wasn't a big fan of that risk. I don't know if McMillan's a bigger fan of it either, but at least he took a risk tonight. He benched him, and it seemed to light a fire under him. I don't know if Spo has that same kind of feel. I talked about this before the six-game win streak. The loss of Dan Craig might have been a, a bigger factor than you assume, and that maybe you're not quite sure about this team. You don't have the same feel on the pulse of this group that you did last year. You have to know your personnel and what motivates them. And that's, look, without practice sessions, I feel like something that hasn't been talked about. And I, again, I don't even know if Spo has mentioned this in all of his press conferences. But he's been incorporating shoot-arounds a lot more into his pregame ritual. They have a shoot-around early in the morning because they can't practice. Because you've got basically one game, one day in between games. You practice Tuesday morning before the game, get your rest, eat your lunch, go back to the arena. You know, it's not like you're allowed to travel or go see a movie or go do any of the activities that players normally do even when they're on the road. And if you're at home, forget it. You go home, you rest, you take a nap, you get your, your chicken and carbs and come back into the arena a couple hours later, take your tests before the arena, before the game starts, before tip-off, make sure that you're COVID-free, and then you go and suit up. But he just doesn't have the same kind of time with these guys that he has in the past. You can't get the same feel for it. And look, this is not relate this is not relegated to just Eric Spolstra. Every coach is going through this in some to some degree. But tonight, tonight he didn't take that risk. And I think it might have cost Miami to a certain bit. Again, not disastrous. None of this is going to really shouldn't really define Miami's season. They're going to be able to bounce back, even if they do lose to New Orleans on Thursday. They've got, you know, a few days to rest. Hope to get Avery Bradley back. Hope to get Jimmy Butler back. Hope it all ties together. Keep watching film and gear up because you've got a tough, tough second half season schedule. I know the numbers show that it's the sixth easiest schedule. That all, I mean, look, if you've got games against Miami, that looks like an easy game, right? Because they're below 500 and have been for most of the season. So measuring strength of schedule is kind of wonky at best because, you know, well, especially in this season when you have so many teams that are under 500. Look at the Celtics. I would still qualify them as a good team, even if they're well below 500. They're not well below. They're above Miami in the standards. I think they actually wound up winning tonight. Yeah, 17 and 17. So they're at 500 right now. You know, it's not Miami can control their own destiny. They're going to have to figure it out, and I think they will. But this was not a good game. I don't know that Thursdays will either. But I'll have a recap for you as always. That does it for just, you know, today's episode. But just a reminder that part two of my conversation with Nikaias Duncan will be available on Thursday. So this recap coming out on a Wednesday, my conversation with Nikaias on Thursday, then a recap on Friday of that Pelicans win, maybe? Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Keep those reviews coming. Love seeing them. They've been uh, coming up uh, recently in numbers, so keep them coming. Five-star reviews if you can, but be honest. You know, If you've got criticism, send it my way. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a DM. Send me a tweet. 
whatever it takes. If you want something different or new about the show, I welcome that feedback. I'm David Ramil, signing off, thanking you, as always, for your support.